Good morning. Good afternoon. Thank you. Uh, this is no longer on, right? Okay, very good. It is so good to be with you. I uh, certainly counted a privilege uh, being here, having been here a couple times before, uh, seen some familiar faces, a number from uh, Ocean City Bible Conference, which was great, uh, others from when we were here before, and seen some new faces. Uh, met a guy named Levi this morning, uh, and that was really, really precious. Uh, again, Father McKenzie is, is here. Uh, he was quick to tell me uh, a change that you've made. Uh, now you can use a credit card to get the blessing from him. So that's, <laughs> that's very good. Uh, also want to welcome some visitors, uh, their family of ours, the Schultzes from Connecticut. We're, we're glad that you guys are here. Groton, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's misspelled here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, most of all, we'd uh, like to thank the Georges for their hospitality. Uh, very kind, very generous, uh, especially in light of the fact that we weren't the only ones that they were uh, keeping these days. Uh, both of their parole officers were in their home. <laughs> too, so it was it was just so good to see them. Sincerely, isn't it good to be in God's house? Yeah. Uh -huh. My text is Galatians chapter two and verse twenty. Just looking at one verse today reading from the ESV. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've entitled the message, if you saw that in your bulletin, I don't have to survive. With the help of God, uh, that's the direction we want to go. We live in a world that sets a very high priority over the idea of surviving. Uh, there's a television program, and I admit that I don't watch it, but called Survivor. And I heard this fall there's a new program, something on the theme of surviving coming out. Um, there's, there's like Dancing with the Stars, where uh, they keep cutting people to see who's going to survive. Uh, maybe you remember seeing Pastor Gary on that program. Uh, we're just starting the, the National Football League season. Uh, Gary told me that there's some people here that aren't Steeler fans. I, I get it. But, but, but for the weeks leading up to this time, of course the superstars were going to uh, make the team anyways. Uh, but those who are very close to being cut uh, the conversation was always, are they going to survive? Would they, would they make the team? But I wonder, should our heroes be survivors? Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. That is not a survivor statement. 
for your survivor to be crucified, this, this doesn't add up. I think our normal default mode is to defy, uh, to survive, and, and that can be a good thing. Uh, if you happen to see an object flying toward your head, we duck because we don't want to get hit in the head. We, we want to survive. Yeah, that, that can be a, a good thing. But it can be bad in some of our spiritual mentalities as we walk with the Lord. Why is it a problem if we just want to be survivors? Well, it, number one, it keeps us in a mediocre level of, of living. Uh, it's too easy to compromise if all we want to do is just survive. We're encouraged to excuse our lack of effectiveness for the kingdom. Surviving can hinder us from completely obeying God. Survival seekers in the Bible, because of their desire to save themselves, often miss God's best. Let me give you some examples. Genesis chapter 13, we read about Lot. Lot wanted the, those watered plains of the Jordan. It was much easier to survive there. He took what was he thought was best for himself, and he ended up losing his family. Then there was King Saul. He, he so wanted to keep his throne and his kingdom, and, and, and he wanted to be passed on to Jonathan, and, and it was just, let's just keep things this way. He wanted to keep all the glory to himself. And then one of the classics in the Bible, somebody who wanted to survive was Peter in the night before our Lord was, was crucified. You remember he's in the courtyard. He's warming himself over that charcoal fire. And they said, wait, you're one of them. No, oh, I don't even know the guy. Three times he denied the Lord. Why? He was, he was scared. And what kicked in? He had to survive. So he denies the Lord. And as Jesus had predicted, the rooster crowed. And he turned, he looked. He and Peter made eye contact. There's a common denominator with people who try to survive, and that is that many times they lose what they're trying to keep. There was a missionary to Ecuador named Jim Elliott. He ended up being martyred there. They put him to death for his proclamation of the gospel. Before, sometime, a good bit of time before, Jim Elliot died, he gave this quote. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's so good it bears repeating. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake he is the one who will save it. Now, I gave you some negative examples from the Bible. Let me give you some positive examples of the Bible. 
of those who didn't have to survive. First, we go to Daniel chapter 3. And you have those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar was a Babylonian king, and he builds this humongous statue, this idol. And he gave the command, he says, okay, when the music sounds, the lyre, the harp, all this stuff, everybody's going to bow down and worship the idol I've made. Well, those three Hebrew boys who had been carried off into, into captivity said, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He said, what? He said, I will have anybody who doesn't bow down to that cast into the fiery furnace. So he calls them in before him. And their response was just an incredible, I don't have to survive statement. They said, our God is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, we will not bow down. So in case it's been a while since you've read the story, what happened? They refused to bow down. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And what happened? Nothing. They weren't touched. They were delivered. But what I want us to see is their mentality going into that. I don't have to survive. Then there was Joshua and Caleb. Moses had sent out the the 12 spies. And 10 of the spies came back from the promised land that they said, there is no way. Those guys are huge. (laughs) They're going to eat us for breakfast. This is so awful. And Joshua and Caleb said, let's go for it. Let's do it. God gave us the command. We're going we're gonna to do it. And there wasn't a discussion about surviving or, or not. It's what God wanted them to do. They moved on. Joshua and Caleb were not popular with the other people. But they had a mentality that was right on track. Thirdly, there was David. Others discourage him. David, don't go out against that giant. I mean... Oh my good David, all you've been doing is out there feeding the sheep. And David said, Hey, God's on my side. Where's my sling? Come on, let's, let's go. He didn't stop and ponder, hmm, am I going to make it or not going to make it? What's going to happen? Do you see the difference? Let me give you five characteristics of I don't have to survive people. Five things you'll see in people who don't have to survive. Number one, they have faith in God. In our text, Paul says, And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. People who don't have to survive realize their their limitations. It's not about us. It's about God. As a young man, I had cancer. Um, it had spread all through me. And I'll, I'll make a very long story short. In a nutshell, I received a full-blown miracle. 
That's been 47 years ago. Uh, I remember one oncologist said, I've been in the hospital some time. He says, I don't know what's going on in your body. He said, things are changing. It was, it was a total God thing, okay? I had nothing to do with it. So a few years ago, have a neighbor who's very actively involved in the American Cancer Society. And she knew of my, that I had had cancer, and she said, oh, we're, we're doing a, a parade-type thing. Uh, would you come down and help support us? And I said, yeah, I, it's a good organization. I'd, I'd be happy to. So I get there, and we're, we're going to parade through downtown Myrtle Beach, where we live. And they came up to me and said, oh, here, I want you to wear this T-shirt. And I looked, no, it wasn't a Steeler T-shirt. I know what you're thinking, no. <laughs> a big teacher said, I'm a survivor, making reference to cancer. And I looked at that, and uh, I did nothing to survive that cancer. The Lord Jesus touched me. I stayed around. Uh, I didn't keep that T-shirt very long. Got rid of that. Because it, it was as though I'd put my faith in myself to get beyond cancer. And, and that wasn't it. I mentioned to the men yesterday we met that all, I get so weary all the time seeing signs saying, you got to believe in yourself. Uh, you see it in the public schools all the time. Uh, you, you see it with athletes when they uh, win the championship or win the World Series. How did you do that? Well, you got to believe in yourself. Can I give you the Greek word for that? Baloney. <laughs> it isn't about believing in ourselves. It's having faith in him. People that don't have to survive have their faith in him. Secondly, they're willing to stand alone. They choose to make the right decisions even if they are not popular ones. We go to the book of Acts. I'm not going to read it, but in the book of Acts, the church is born. It's so exciting. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. It, it, it's, it's the springing up of the church. It's awesome. But you get down to chapter 7, and Stephen is being called out for what's going on and for the doctrine that's being preached about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, there's a number of sermons in the Bible, and apart from the sermons of Jesus, I just love this sermon by Stephen. And he tells it like it is. If you haven't read that for a while, don't do it in the rest, for the rest of my message, but go home today and read that sermon by Stephen. It's just incredible. He spelled it out so clearly. He was historically accurate, and, and, he, and he explained to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Stephen was standing alone. Nobody was there helping him. And unlike some of the other survivors, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and David, and others, uh, Stephen didn't have to survive, and he didn't. They put him to death. They stoned him. But what I want us to see is he entered that with a mentality that says, I don't have to survive. 
and even prayed just, just before he breathed his last. See, having the mentality that says, I don't have to survive, doesn't mean you always will survive. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, according to the will of the Father. But Stephen was willing to stand alone. Thirdly, the characteristics of people that don't have to survive, they sometimes do things that don't make sense. Okay? It doesn't have to be totally logical. Uh, my wife and I uh, were missionaries to Ecuador, South America. Primarily, uh, uh, we were involved in church planning, and, and I was up in the mountains, like above 10,000 feet altitude. I was a mountain missionary. But from time to time, uh, we would be called and we would go into the jungle, Amazon jungles, Ecuador. I wasn't uh, a veteran or real savvy of everything that went on in the jungle, but occasion came where uh, they told us we could backpack in, would take about 12 hours, or we could get in a mission aviation little dinky plane and they'd fly us in the jungle and land on a piece of grass about this big. And so, so we go in, and the people in the village, and by the way, this is the same village where Jim Elliott was, was martyred, okay, but it was years later. So the, the game plan was, was to go in, and that night we were going to have uh, a service, this presentation of the gospel. And the people are all excited, and, and uh, they come running out the plane to meet us and everything, and uh, most hospitable, very nice. And we knew that before the service that night, they were going to have a dinner. And I had been forewarned on this, what was going to happen. Um, part of the dinner was, was great. They uh, went out and killed a wild boar, and basically having pork, and it, it was pretty good. And they killed this great big turtle and made turtle soup for us. It was, it was good. But not long after we got there like late morning, a group of ladies came out the middle of the village and they sat down with a pile of yucca roots, okay? Now, germane to the story is um, they didn't have any electricity, so there was no place to plug in your, your blender or your food processor or whatever. And the only way they had to extract the liquid out of these roots is these ladies sat in this circle and they would chew them, suck the juice out of the roots, and spit them in a pot. Okay. Fill the pot. Okay. Um, also, you should know these ladies have never seen a toothbrush in their entire lives. No, I'm, I'm serious. You've all already had lunch, right? After they, they fill a, a pot full of spit, um, and, and you know when you fill up at home, when you fill a, a pot full of spit, uh, you have to wipe the foam off the top. So they wipe the foam off the top, and then they sit it out in the sun to enhance the flavor. Here's the deal. 
And I had, thankfully, I had been informed by my fellow missionary, Dave, who was a full-time jungle missionary. He said, tonight when they serve you that, if you don't drink that, they're going to be very offended. And if they're offended, they won't come to the service tonight. So it comes time for the meal. And the, like I say, the pork was good, the turtle soup was good. And then they poured us a cup of the chicha juice. <laughs> my, my buddy Dave told me the first time he drank it, he thought, you know when a medicine tastes bad, you just chug it all down. Yeah. So he chugged the whole thing down and they filled it. He loves it. <laughs> so I knew enough. When I would take a drink, that whole meal, I let my hand rest on the top. I did not want a refill of that. And, and sometimes people ask me, how did you tolerate that? And I said, well, you know, once you get used to my wife's cooking, it's... Uh, <laughs> no. I'm in the doghouse now. We drank it. The people poured out to the service that night, able to get the gospel out. Now, my point is, if you go to your primary care physician and ask him, is it advisable to drink that stuff? No, not, not so much. Uh, oh, and by the way, parasites everywhere. I mean, there's just multiple things. Sometimes we're called to do things that are not advisable. But for, for the sake of the kingdom. And, and Paul did a, a long list of things. We're going to get into that in a moment. A fourth thing, characteristics of people that don't have to survive, is the fact that they possess unusual power. God gives selfless people spiritual power. And that's what makes the difference. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not our power, but it's his power. And his power manifested in the person who has the mentality that says, I don't have to survive. And the fifth characteristic is many times people who don't have to survive are risk takers. Now, maybe there's certain things pop into our mind when we think about a risk taker. Um, anybody remember uh, Evil Knievel? He was a motorcycle guy and he would jump over canyons, you know, and just do all sorts of crazy things. Well, it's, it's, it's not like we're trying to get in the Guinness World Book of Records for something stupid, you know. But sometimes we're just called on to take a risk. There's a group of people in the world today who are risk takers. And they get a lot of attention. They're called terrorists. This is a negative example, I know. But it's an example of people that, that are saying... 
they don't have to survive. They go in and do a suicide bombing or, or something like that. And truth be known, the world doesn't know what to do with them. And they do it all for a very pathetic cause. How much more should we have the mentality that says, I don't have to survive when we have the greatest cause, the greatest reason in the world? The Lord Jesus Christ. Look at some examples in the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem and he met with the Ephesian elders and and he's getting ready to, to leave and he's reviewing some of his ministry and Paul says, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house. And he goes on to say, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except knowing that bonds and afflictions await me. So Paul had to survive. He said, whoa, I'm not going to Jerusalem. No, he knew some of the things were waiting for him down the road. In verse 25 of that uh, chapter 20 in Acts, you have another classic, I don't have to survive statement. He says, I know that you will all see my face no more. What was Paul saying? end of the day, I'm not going to survive. No wonder Paul was willing to stand at the council of Jerusalem and say, hey, the gospel is for, for the Gentiles. Well, everybody else was saying, no, no, the gospel is just for the Jews. Uh, Paul didn't have to survive. No wonder he was the first missionary. You couldn't threaten to stone him. Paul would just say, stone me. Oh, been there, done that. Read Second Corinthians chapter 11. You couldn't threaten him with prison. He would just laugh and say, <laughs> which one? Oh, I know. Send me back to that one in Rome. I was witnessing to some guys and wanted to see how this turned out. What about the person who's trying to threaten him? No, no, Paul. Yeah, good. Prison sounds good. You couldn't threaten to kill him. Paul says, great. I've had this dilemma that's been going on for so long. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was saying, hey, if I live, that's a win situation. If I die, it's, gay. it's a win-win situation. Okay, go ahead. I mean, did they really know what to do with Paul? Now, I'm not saying Paul was crazy. It's just that he realized that he needed something in his life. He wanted to be crucified with Christ, knowing that his own flesh, he was powerless to preach the gospel of Christ. And that should be our highest aim too. Only when we die to self can we live for Christ. When we die to self, we totally, wholly rely on God. Then we can take risks to do great things for God without having a plan B, without focusing, okay, how, how am I going to survive? No, it's nothing like that. The person who doesn't have to survive will echo the words of Martin Luther when he said, Here I stand, I can do no other. It's God and nothing else. Let me close this morning, this afternoon. I've been preaching since this morning? Okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to leave with four suggestions to help us have a I don't have to survive mentality. Number one, 
Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. There's a lot of people that have an over-exaggerated opinion about themselves. My dad used to always say, uh, you get older, you reflect back on the teachings of a parent. My dad used to say, a lot of people take themselves too seriously and they don't take God serious enough. So, instead of putting us at the top, being so serious about ourselves, don't take yourself too seriously. James says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Suggestion number two is to fear God more than man. If we fear God, and that means having a, an unlimited healthy respect for God, more than man will have a good attitude that says, I don't have to survive. We won't worry about success. We won't worry about, oh, I'll be embarrassed. We won't worry about, I'm going to fail. No. Just fear God more than men. Number three, get hot. I don't mean move to South Carolina. Get hot. Let me explain what I mean. In the scripture, uh, was read this morning from Revelation through uh, 3 after Philadelphia, you come down to the church of Laodicea. The quote is, I know your deeds that you are neither cold or hot. I would that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich and I become wealthy and have need of nothing. You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. When we feel satisfied with ourselves, we slip into a maintenance mindset. We take no risk. Just let me survive. I'll be okay. But God, God said, no, no. I want you to get hot. Don't be lukewarm. I have the privilege time to time traveling, uh, speaking in some churches. And I heard an elder say this one time in the church. He said, you know, we're able to make our mortgage payments and we can pay the light bill. I think we'll survive. Is that what it's all about? I mean, I hope you do make your mortgage payment and so on and so forth. But is is that what it's all about? Is that why our Lord went to the cross? just so we could be satisfied to make the mortgage payment. The fourth, last suggestion. Give up your rights. Give up your rights. We were also missionaries in Costa Rica. Now this is years ago, before Costa Rica became a popular tourist site. It was closer to being a third world country at that time talking 40 some years ago one day I'm in a downtown area and I saw the police brutally mistreating someone and I'm witnessing this whole thing and I, I got real indignant 
I can't believe this. They're not going to treat me this way. I've got my rights. And then it hit me. I was not a citizen of Costa Rica. I was a citizen of the United States, just there for a year for language study. I didn't have any rights there. I wasn't a citizen there. What Paul say about our citizenship? Where is it? It's in heaven. Our citizenship is not here, so we need to give up our rights. And we do that by saying, I don't have to survive. Just for a quick moment, turn to someone next to you and say, I don't have to survive. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this mentality and attitude the Apostle Paul had and through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit putting this in writing. Lord, may we joyously be crucified with Christ, putting our faith totally in him. And God, as we, as we do our daily walk, May it be the song of our hearts that we don't have to survive. And I pray this sincerely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.